Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook, Pre-Arb Excellence Group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Dylan Lesko Questions and ask me questions if I was confusing. If you are doing any of the mock draft stuff, if you are doing any of the mock draft stuff so far, early, 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 early this draft cycle, you're probably aware that at the very, 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 very tippity top of the mock drafts, you will often see two high school players, two high school hitters, Andrew Jones and Termar Johnson. Then you're going to see a rather impressive run of college names a lot of times. Some people will sneak up a another high school bat into the top three or top four, but um, when a lot of the mock drafts go three, four, five, six, generally you're going to be looking at some hitters. Brooks Lee from Cal Poly, Jace Young from Texas Tech, Gavin Cross from Virginia Tech, Chase DeLauder from James Madison. Again, some people might toss in a Cam Collier, who is um, technically a freshman at Chipola College. Then you might have some people throwing in prep outfielder Elijah Green. This podcast episode regards one specific question. Why is Dylan Lesko so far down the list? Why is Dylan Lesko so far down the list? We all know pitching is important. Pitching is important. You can win games 10 to 7, but if you're going to do well in the postseason, you do need pitching. Just drafting hitting will not get it done just having quality hitting will not get it done. At some point, you do need quality pitching from somewhere by whatever fashion. And Dylan Lesko sounds to be, along with possibly Brandon Barrera, the real deal as far as prep pitching. Why is it that Lesko may fall to seven or possibly even eight while hitters are getting selected, when Dylan Lesko has so much upside in his game, Lesko's already chucking 97, 98. Depending upon whose numbers you want to follow, he has a useful or better curveball side change. So if you're looking at a kid who's already throwing 97 in high school and he has a four pitch mix, why wouldn't someone be interested in taking him? It seems rather obvious that 
Dylan Lesko ought to be higher up boards than seventh, especially in a year where there really aren't any high uh, college pitchers that have staked the claim to too much of anything. Shouldn't Dylan Lesko be drafted higher than seventh? Why is Dylan Lesko slipping all the way to seventh? The answer is, the answer is largely with pitchers, whether it's a high school pitcher or a college pitcher or any kind of a pitcher, there is an incredible amount of built-in uncertainty based on his throwing. When a team is making a draft selection, when a team is making a draft selection, you know that part of your heart, your part, the part of your body that says, I really like this guy. Could be Chris Bryant, could be Albert Almora, could be Anthony Rizzo, could be Sammy Sosa, could be Ryan Sandberg. I really like this guy. That part of your body that says, I really like this guy. When it is draft day, when it is selection day, throw that part away. Whether you like a player or not is entirely insignificant on draft day. Or if it's not insignificant, it is well down the list. On draft day, pretty much two things matter. Two things matter on draft day. How good is this player actually going to be? How good is this guy actually going to be? And how much is he going to cost to sign? How much is he going to cost to sign is how good is he going to be? So, for instance, let's take Gavin Cross. Gavin Cross is not my favorite player on the board. Gavin Cross at seven would be very tempting, but Gavin Cross is not my favorite player on the board. If I were to comp Gavin Cross to a recent Cub, I would probably lean a bit in the Kyle Schwarber range, probably a bit less power, probably a bit more contact, line drive ability, and probably a bit better defense. So if I tell you, at seven, the Cubs could get a player who probably represents a bit like Kyle Schwarber. Again, you've already thrown out the part of your body that is deciding whether you like this guy or not. That's totally inconsequential, of no value. It's not, is this guy going to get fans to swoon over how he looks in a uniform or anything? None of that matters. If the Cubs would decide they wanted to select Gavin Cross, they would get a player who is somewhat like Kyle Schwarber, better defensively, better hit tool, if you're into the hit tool, probably will hit for better average, better defensively, probably faster. 
That's basically what you're looking at. So if you have your picture of Kyle Schwarber in mind, probably not as much, probably not as much power, better hit tool, better speed, better defense. So now, if I were to tell you, if Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber were to come out of the draft in this specific draft, what would be your guesstimation on what would be his wins above player value for the first, oh, I don't know, seven, eight years of his Major League Baseball career? I'm looking for a number. I'm looking for a number. I'm not I'm not looking for a I like him, I don't like him. Kyle Schwarber coming out right now. What would you think his major league wins above would be for his career? 10, 12? Could be higher, could be lower. Somewhere in that range? Maybe 14? That's what you're looking for. When you are assessing a player talent, you are assessing what value will he provide in the Cubs organization. That's what matters. That's what plays. That is what is important. What value would you project? What value would you place on Kyle Schwarber coming out right now? Since... Gavin Cross is kind of close to a Kyle Schwarber. Would you probably put a Gavin Cross value in basically the same general area as your Kyle Schwarber comp? Again, assuming the scouting and the assessments and all the other stuff are basically kind of the same except cross hits better cross runs better cross plays better defense schwerber has better power same basic general ballpark probably gavin cross maybe a little higher because he's going to hit better also going to provide better defense also going to run better that would be my guess so you're looking at i don't know 12 13 Wins above, something like that for Gavin Cross, maybe, ballpark, general. That's basically what you're trying to do with every single player in the draft. How much will he cost? How much value will he provide? If you're watching a high school game or a college game, you're trying to assess how well, how much effort should the Cubs put into this player as far as blah, 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 blah. How much value is he going to provide? How much will he cost? When the Cubs were assessing James Triantos last draft cycle, what do you think they put as far as a value on James Triantos if, uh, not, not, not if everything goes well, not if everything goes horribly, what do you think they put on his value? Hey, you get 10 seasons. You get 10 seasons. You know, you get 10, uh, 10 different, uh, you, you're, basically you're rolling a die. Basically you're rolling a 10-sided die. 
You roll a one, you get this value. You roll a two, you get this value. You roll a three, you get this value because it's going to change. So, sometimes a guy is going to do better. Sometimes a guy is going to be more healthy. Sometimes a guy is going to be better at hitting a curveball. It, it, but what you're trying to get is what is a reasonably expected value for James Triantos. Now, the Cubs ended up getting him. A lot of teams backed away. Cubs bought into him even though he was going to cost a bunch, which he did because the Cubs really bought into Triantos as a player. Cubs made the investment, and the Cubs have Triantos for better or for worse for the next 7, 8, 9, 10 years as property unless they move on from him. Let's jump to Jordan Wicks. Jordan Wicks was a well-proven college arm, left-hander, nice mix, etc., etc., etc. What do you think the Cubs' expectation of value for his first seven or eight Major League professional baseball seasons, what do you think the Cubs' projection on Jordan Wicks was? Again, I'm looking for a number. You're thinking, you don't have to say it, but think it out. Why, what, what number would you come up with for Jordan Wicks? Why would you come up with that number? What are you, upon what are you basing that? Okay, now let's stop. When it comes to a draft, what matters is what will that value be? Not what will that value be if everything works out well. What will that value be? If a guy is doing fantastically well, then all of a sudden he starts getting hit with a bunch of injuries. And whoever he is, whichever team it is, whichever round it is, and he, and he fails to develop and fails to provide value because he got injured so regularly, the benefit of selecting that player disappears. Now let's look at Dylan Lesko. Dylan Lesko, if everything works out well, Dylan Lesko could be fantastic. However, if in his fourth start of his second professional season, his first full professional season, he comes out and he does very well for his first two innings, comes out for his third inning, he's going to go four. The seventh pitch of his third inning, ow! He has a problem with his elbow or his shoulder, whatever it is. Unless Dylan Lesko rehabs that injury to the point where he is worth 8, 10, 12, 14 wins above for the Chicago Cubs or whichever team selects him. Frankly, that ends up being a bad pick. That ends up being a bad pick. Whether it was due to injury, whether it was due to not developing well, whether it was due to, hey, let's be morbid, death. It wasn't a good selection. What a team is trying to do is assess what is this player's value going to be for my team over his first seven or eight major league seasons 
and how much will he cost? Those are the two questions. Those are the only two questions that really matter roundabout draft day. What's he going to cost? What value will he provide? Those are the only two things that matter. I like him. Doesn't matter. Um, he's six foot three. Doesn't matter. He has size 11 and a half shoes. Doesn't matter. He's a Scorpio. Doesn't matter. What matters is what value will he provide if we select him for our team and how much will he require as far as a signing bonus? Because signing bonuses, you only have a certain amount you can spend. If you spend a whole bunch on this guy, then you have to pull back on some of the other selections. Dylan Lesko has fantastic upside. And he's a pitcher. There is that, oh my goodness, his elbow went, oh no, he has a forearm strain. His shoulder is sore. Or the other one, you know, he's really just not quite as good as we thought. That one always looms for pitchers as well. You know, I really thought this guy was going to be able to figure it out, but what you need with a pitcher, what you need with a pitcher, what you need with a pitcher, whether he's throwing 97 or 93, what you want is in the sixth inning, two outs, two runners on base, catcher smashes a pitch, uh, smashes a sign right off the edge of the strike zone, the pitch, the pitcher puts it exactly where it has to be and gets the out. Or he might miss the spot and he ends up walking the hitter and the next guy knocks a double and three runs score. Or he skitters one in the dirt back to the screen. Or instead of hitting the outside corner, he hits the batter in the elbow. For all the talk of how good Dylan Lesko could possibly be, he could also be Dylan Maples. He could also be Dylan Maples, and Dylan Maples, to this day, still has not figured it out. Has not figured it out. Dylan Lesko is a... Very tough selection when there are bats on the board. When there are bats on the board, you look at an Andrew Jones. Yeah, his dad was a virtual Hall of Famer. The kid seems to hit. The kid seems to play defense. He plays center field well. He mashes against whoever he's up against. Or you look at uh, Brooks Lee, plays shortstop, plays for his dad. Everybody wanted him out of high school, but in high school he said, nah, I'm going to go play for my dad. Now he's played two years, and he's going to have a really good third year, and defense isn't a question. He should be able to play shortstop, and he's going to be able to hit from both sides, and da-da-da-da. You have a switch-hitting shortstop that can actually play shortstop and can actually hit. Put your career value on that put your career value on that major league quality shortstop hits from both sides with power and average from both sides 
What what sort of value are you putting on that for a career? 12, 14, 16, 18, over seven years? What are you putting on it? What are you putting on it? No, seriously. Dylan Lesko could be fantastic. Or he could be, yeah, nah, this isn't going to work. Could be either one. It could be either one. To deny that is to... To deny that he could completely wash out, very realistically wash out, either for he's really not that good purposes or he gets injured purposes. Either one could happen. Either one could happen. It doesn't have to be some major injury. It could just be, well, you know, I really thought his breaking ball was going to be better than it is. It isn't. Stuff happens. Dylan Lesko could be fantastic. He is the type that could either be over those first eight years. He could be 22 wins. Or he could be never makes it out of double A ball. Could be either one. Could be either or. So what you're doing is with your um, table as far as what you expect, you have, you roll a one, it's a 22. You roll a 2, it's an 18. You roll a 7, it's a 0. You roll an 8, it's a 0. You roll a 9, it's a 0. You roll a 10, it's a 0. You have a whole bunch of wildly varying things. Especially since he's never faced a good college baseball team. You know, if it were a pitcher who had been pitching in the SEC like Jack Leiter had done last year. He had shown against SEC competition year in, year out. Yeah, I'm better than these guys. I'm better than these guys. When I get to major, when I get to minor league ball, I'm going to be better than them. And then when I advance in minor leagues, I'm going to be better than them. It's all a question of will I stay healthy and will my pitches somewhat develop? With Dylan Lesko, you haven't seen him play against Florida State. You haven't seen him play against Arkansas. You haven't seen him play against UCLA. You have no idea. You've seen him play against some 16-year-olds and some 17-year-olds. If you've watched a whole lot of film and you've gone to Georgia to watch him play, there are no guarantees with a high school arm. None. It's not about, I like this guy. It's not about, well, if everything goes well, then. It is about you being absolutely correct on accurately projecting how well his career will go. How confident are you that you can rather accurately nail down how well Dylan Lesko's career will go from before draft day? That's how long you have to make up your mind. Before draft day, you have to make up your mind how good his career will be. And if you're wrong, you will get fired. Not a problem. Easy. Teams lean toward bats. Teams lean toward bats. Because if you have a hitter who's already shown, Chase DeLauder, has already shown in the prestigious Cape Cod League that... He can hit good pitching. 
He can hit good pitching with a wooden bat. He can hit good pitching with a wooden bat. He plays decent enough center field. He can probably get shifted to right without any serious concerns if he can't play center. He's hit good pitching already. There really aren't a whole lot of serious concerns with Chase DeLauder. With Dylan Lesko, there's at least a 35% chance he doesn't even come close to the major leagues. And then there's another 30% or so that, well, he makes it to the major leagues, but he has like a, uh, what's his name? Um, Carson Palmer career. Makes it to the major leagues, but gee, I thought he's going to be better than that. And if you are an executive, you if you are an executive, if you are a scout, if you are a baseball ops guy, the important thing is getting it right as far as how much value this player will bring to the table and how much he will cost as a draft signee. Dylan Lesko will cost. Dylan Lesko will cost quite a bit to sign. That's not a question. If the Cubs decide, instead of going after Dylan Lesko, a high school pitcher who, oh, it's basically a coin flip, 50-50, it's so 50-50 with Dylan Lesko. Heads, he's a good pitcher that everybody covets in about four or five years. Tails, it's a, hmm, It didn't go like we thought. It's going to be one of the two. Heads or tails. Heads or tails. Five years. Eventually, people are going to think, hey, this guy's really good, or why did you make that stupid selection? Whereas with hitters, it's a whole lot more predictable, a whole lot more projectable, and executives... Baseball ops guys really do enjoy safety in college production. Safety in college production, if the Cubs would go with someone like a Gavin Cross or a Chase DeLauder or a Brooks Lee or someone along those lines, they would have a relatively safe player who they are probably somewhat confident will get them over eight, nine, or over seven or eight years, will probably get them 11 wins above, 12 wins above, 13 wins above, 14 wins above. Relative confidence of that. And also, if they are taking a college junior, they won't have to break their entire draft pool to bring them in. Dylan Lesko, whoever signs Dylan Lesko, that is a huge gamble, and it may be a fantastic gamble, but it's very much a coin flip. It's very much a coin flip. Maybe it will be a 54-46 coin flip. Maybe it will be a 42-58 coin flip, but it will be a coin flip. There will be no guarantee, no guarantee that Dylan Lesko will be a fantastic player. When you're making these decisions, take that part of your body that, 
well, I really like this guy, or I really... No. What is he going to do? And on what are you basing that? What is he going to do? And on what are you basing that? College hitters have shown they can hit college pitchers and they are quite a bit more safe than high school pitchers who almost certainly at some point in their career will suffer a rather significant injury. At some point it'll happen. At some point it'll happen. Maybe it won't be Tommy John surgery, but uh, forearm strain and he's out for two months or whatever it is. It's very gutsy to spend half of your draft spending money on one pitcher. It's very gutsy to do that. When the Cubs brought in Jordan Wicks last cycle, he got paid. He got paid less than James Triantos did, though. Triantos was a prep. What my hunch is, is the Cubs probably would prefer to grab a college bat they're comfortable with at seven. And then, in the second round, or the third round, or possibly the second and the third round, swing back around and get another high school player who's not as high buzz as Dylan Lesko. But also won't take half the pool. Also won't take half the pool. Will that be the case? I don't know. I don't know. And also with Jed Carter around, perhaps uh, with Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins around, they may decide Dylan Lesko or Brandon Barrera, who is the left-handed version of Dylan Lesko in this draft, they may decide, you know what, let's take, let's take the risk. Let's take the risk. Let's go for this guy. We believe in him, blah, 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 etc. whatever. Let's go for it. I would not be surprised if it's Dylan Lesko on draft day. I would not be surprised. I'll tell you what my response would be if it's with the seventh pick in the first round, the Cubs select right-handed pitcher Dylan Lesko from Georgia? I'll tell you what my response will be. Here we go. That's what my response would be. Here we go. Because every time Dylan Lesko would take the mound, everybody would flock to paying attention to Dylan Lesko for the next three or four or five years. And then for the next three or four or five days, not really care. Then, oh, Dylan Lesko time. Let's tune in. Let's see how Dylan Lesko does. Because that would be all the buzz. I would not be surprised if the Cubs take Dylan Lesko. I would not be surprised if the Cubs decide to instead, let's get a safer college bat. I have no idea what Jed Carter and... Um, the Cantrovitz crew are going to come up with. I'm getting to the point where I'm reasonably confident. I'm getting to the point where I'm reasonably confident 
that they will get quality development out of pretty much whoever they select. They've gotten pretty good at that recently. The reason Dylan Lesko will fall down draft boards very possibly is because there will always be that possibility, that possibility, even that even the probability perhaps, that at some point in his pitching, he winds up, he, ow, ow, ow. And if that's going to happen, there's very little a team can do to prevent it from happening. And all of a sudden, a player who they who a team was banking on for 18, 20 wins over the uh, w- wins above replacement in his first six or seven or eight years, all of a sudden, depending upon when it was, maybe falls down to zero or two or whatever it is. Pitching injuries cannot be entirely erased off the chalkboard. They're going to happen. Executives want clarity. Executives want certainty. Executives want predictability. Dylan Lesko provides none of those. He, if he properly develops, if he stays somewhat healthy, if he figures out major league level command, could be fantastic. Or he could be the next Carson Fulmer. Thanks for stopping by.